We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Howard radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Ron and Anian, there's a certain air of the Carl solved the problem for me. It'll keep me safe. It'll keep me out of the accident until you have one. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. The car doctor. We were told that it was the evaporator, and in order to repair it, the dashboard and the steering wheel would have to be removed and then put back in. Right, that's correct. Oh, and yeah. my husband says it sounds like brain surgery. You placed a DNR on the car. All right. Now we know what we're up against. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Boss, head man, top dog, big cheese, a head on show. Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions about your automobile, whatever you've got going on. If it's centered around that four-wheel wonder in your driveway or garage, then this is the place to call 855-560-9900. We're glad you took some time to spend with us this weekend as we... We look forward to uh, talking to you for the next two hours about automotive repair and uh, some of the problems you may be having and some of the news that's going on in the industry. There's an awful lot going on. Uh, we want to comment a little bit real quick about Hurricane Dorian, right? It's, uh, you know, the tragedy of it, the human tragedy of it, and the cost in dollars. And, and, you know, we're already talking about it here in studio today, the storm that's being created and the damage being done to automobiles. And, and what's the used car market going to be like after the hurricane and waterlogged cars? And we have to start to think about that. That as well, and the damage is, you know, not just measured in human tragedy and dollars, but uh, you know, seven, eight months, nine months, ten months from now, it'll it'll still be around, and we have to be aware of it. So. Um, just to mention that and put that out there, there's that hurricane that's brewing. Uh, there, there's other hurricanes that are brewing, too, by the way. You should get out to autocare.org, autocare.org. Click on the newsroom. Click on their news button and scroll down. The Autocare Association is really out there trying to make all of us aware of what's going on inside the industry. They've got a great article there on listed on the website by the New York Times talking about the topic of who has ownership and control over the data being collected by vehicles. We actually talked about this some time ago that the car companies know they your car knows when you gain weight, your car knows when you change your driving habits, your car is collecting data on you. And the Auto Care Association is making the argument that it's your right to it. It's your data. It's it's your car. And who are these people to be able to, in a sense, spy on you? Maybe that's not their words and thoughts, but they're mine. I think um, I think that vehicle data issue is a big, big topic, and uh, it needs to be discussed and at least kicked around the table a couple of times with the folks at autocare.org. If you get out there, click on the news button. You'll also see some of their other things. They're talking about um, some of the issues uh, uh, regarding right to repair and some of the other interesting things going on in the Automobile Association. So uh, you want to get out there and take a look at that hurricane as well. Um, let's get over and let's let's start. Let's. I, I wanted to tell the story about, but you know what? The phones are already backed up. We've already got a hurricane of our own brewing. And uh, let's get over there and talk to Gordon on line one and see what's going on. Gordon, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes, good afternoon. Thank yes, you sir. for taking my call, Ron. You're very welcome. Um, I've uh, I've never done this before, uh, looking to uh, replace my uh, plow truck, and I found one down in uh, Massachusetts, 
Mexico, so I'm in Bradley, Maine, four hours away. Um, they give me the option that they would take it to a local mechanic and have it, you know, give it a once-over so I can be kind of sure that this is going to work. Right. Uh, I have no idea how to pick a mechanic that far away. You know, so, you look on the website and you just yeah, see a list of them, and and everybody's and every and everybody's great and warm and wonderful. It's you know, it's like exactly. It's like your relatives are coming at the holidays, and nobody's going to argue, and everybody's going to behave themselves. <laughs> um, somehow, it never works out like that in every home. So let's talk about the truck a little bit. It's a two thousand four. How many miles were on it? Uh, One hundred and seventy-one thousand. Okay, and. F two fifty, F three fifty, F F two fifty, Super Duty XLT. Okay, and you're buying something this old with this many miles because why? Uh, I just need some a uh, yard truck okay. to plow. I got a four hundred foot driveway, so okay. So um, your your concerns here are going to be rust, all right, and and rust. Yep. You know, it's is there is there a working plow on the truck already? Yes. And how much money do they want for this thing? Uh, 59.95. Sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? 6 grand. It does. 6 grand for a 15-year-old truck with almost 200,000 miles on it? Yep. And the body's in, you know, from pictures is remarkably good shape right. and it is it is stickered. Because here's 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 my question before we even start looking for a garage is is it the original trans is it the original engine? Has the engine ever had any engine work? Has the engine had the typical? They go through. Uh, they have valve timing component issues, cam phasers, and and timing chain issues. Has it had any of that work done to it? Uh, you know, are you spending are you spending six grand on a fifteen year old truck with two hundred thousand miles on it? And I know what you're hoping for. You're hoping not to have to spend any money on it. But uh, you know, the, if if that truck six months from now pops the trans and the trans is oh I don't know four grand to put in it. Yep. You're gonna put four grand in it? Nope. So so then let's 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 play this game. All right. Let's spend twenty grand. I can spend your money easily, Gordon. It's it's I'm, okay. I'm real I'm real <laughs> good at this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm real good at this, but um let's spend twenty grand. What does twenty grand buy you? Does does twenty grand get you more? Um and how much more and what kind of more, if if you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, and are you better off with that? Are you better off, you know, are you better off under 100,000 miles, less than 10 years old? Can you get to that right. number? Because then at least if you have to put money into it, all right, if you have to put money into it, you could probably justify it. It's probably easier to get parts. You know, listen, right. just because they're selling it for six grand doesn't make it worth six grand. In my mind, I don't care if that truck is pristine, perfect, and absolutely gorgeous, and there isn't a drop of rust on it anywhere. All right. They'd have to show me all the maintenance records. They'd have to show me, you know, that the front end's been cared for, that the front end is solid. You know, there's an awful lot of things that go wrong on a plow truck. I right. I, I only plow my driveway at the house and the parking lot at the shop. And the, like I've always said, the occasional little old lady who's out there trying to shovel and, and, and deal with yep. it, I'll, I'll drop the plow for her. But I don't, I don't plow commercially. In 12 years of doing what I'll call that as light-duty plowing, my last Silverado, my 08 Silverado, the driver's side exhaust manifold, I believe there's 12 bolts holding the, or uh, 10 bolts holding the manifold to the head. Two of the yep. bolt heads had rotted away to the point that they popped off like ding. All right. Oh. They were gone. The power steering pump was so rusty, it was almost an indiscernible mass where the pump ended and the bracket that held it on began. All right. And it had two little rust zits forming over the back wheel well on top of the back tires. 
that I oh said, you God. know, in six months, this thing is going to look like holy heck. And I just, I can't, you know, I said, out the door and it's gone. And I got fair yep. money for it. All right. The truck had 35,000 miles on it. Wow. All right. Holy that, cow. That truck had 35,000 miles on it. Now, you know, and I was happy. Listen, you know what? Everybody's got to make money, and I understand that. The dealer gave me 14 I think they probably sold it for close to 20 But they had a guarantee it, warranty it, and they had a, you know, they had a, it was still a 12 going on 13-year-old truck. Right. All right? Now, that's that's not seeing the use, I'm sure. That didn't see the use, I'm sure, from what you're describing. But, you know, What's and I this? also don't know how it was used. Was it used privately or commercially? Right. I, I don't know that. Right, and they're not. And are they really going to tell you? I don't know. I, oh, hell, hell, I, heck I, no. I, I, I would think. Okay, in order for you to be interested in this, I think they've got to show you some pictures of the underneath. I think you've got to look at brake lines. I think you've got to look at fuel lines. You know, that's a great truck for the guy that can't afford seventy grand. Or well, let's see. Let me let me back that up. What is it now? I think an F two fifty plow equipped vehicle, brand new from Ford, is, is is somewhere in the neighborhood of fifty five sixty. Yep. So that's a great truck to somebody to spend six grand on. They'll dump a motor in it. They'll dump a trans in it. They'll go through the brake lines, the fuel lines, the front end, the steering axles. Okay. And they'll put yep. you know they'll put thirty thousand dollars worth of hard parts in that truck and and. Gotcha. You know, but for you, yep. I don't see it. I don't see it, brother. Um, yeah. I, I I just don't see it. I think I think it's either spend a little more money. Uh, what do you drive every day? I, I have a, a Nissan Rogue that I drive, but I've been uh, using to plow the yard uh, 1972 GMC. Right. For the last 20 years. And, and what's wrong and, with that? Well, I think it's the timing chain. She doesn't; uh, it won't hold the timing, and she's constantly flooding. I mean, if you hold her wide open, she'll go like a great monkey. But she doesn't. Uh, and what, what kind you know, of you shape? You let off it a little bit. She what, just chokes and dies. What What kind of shape is the body in? In that? Uh, everything's rusted. Everything's got a hole in it. Everything's got uh, yeah, probably so that's, so that's done. fifteen layers of rust oleum paint on it. So, so that's done. So, you know, instead of this, listen, instead of the six grand F two fifty or the twenty grand whatever we're going to go try and find, why don't we look on? Let's make a game out of it. Why don't we look on Craigslist, Southern California? Yeah. All right, and let's go buy a Southern California pickup truck and go buy like a seventy five Chevy something that's, you know, it's never seen snow. And you'll you'll pay ten, twelve, fifteen grand for it, but then at least you've got a little bit of a classic, and it'll be fun to drive, and you can put it in the Fourth of July parades up there. <laughs> there you go. Right, I like that idea. You know, well, and then at smart. least it's yeah. it's it's you know, I mean, there's 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 no electronics on the vehicle. It'll, it'll be points and condenser. I think we remember how to well, not in seventy five. It'd have to be seventy four or yep. older, seventy three or older. Um, but then at least when they drop the neutron bomb and they take out all the electronics in cars, Gordon will be driving around in his car up in Maine, and everybody can't figure it out. So right, um, and that's uh, why I like this old truck. Yeah, the last twenty right, years, right. I've been able to work on it. But right. these these ones I'm I'm looking at right. now, I can't work on those. Well, well, and, and, you know, to the point you can't get parts for them either. It's easier to get parts for the old truck than it is for the new truck. Yeah, and, and, exactly. And, and that's, and that's got to be considered. So, you know, yeah. Nah, I, that's that, smart. That, smart that, thinking, that, yep. That, that truck in mass is worth three grand on its best day. And, yep. you know, at three grand, now you've earned the right to restore it. And then you'll work, then you'll work your way out from there. And it's you know one thing I can tell you about snowstorms, and this is the other reason I got rid of the 08, and then I got to run. Um, the other reason I got rid of the 08 was it was 12 going on 13 years old, 
and I knew parts were getting a little hard, not crazy hard to find, but I kept thinking about, right. you know, what can I find in the way of parts? And I just kept thinking about it's, 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 it's that age, it's starting to rust, where's the reliability factor? I don't want to be out in a snowstorm yep. or a blizzard stuck, you know, worry about my safety and then worry about can, how am I going to plow what I have to plow? Right, and stuck in the middle of the road, the train the, drops. Right, and right, something explodes. So, um, I, you know, and it happens. Okay, good. It, it happens, brother. So, I, 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 maybe I'm pessimistic at heart, but I just try to be prepared as best I can. All right. No, that's really good info. I really so, appreciate it. You're very Thank welcome, you so Gordon. Much. Let us know what you buy. Have some fun with this. Go buy a '72, '73 something Chevy Classic that lights your fire and uh, put a plow on it. You'll have some fun. Great idea. Here All right. It is. So fantastic! Thanks, Ron. You're very welcome, Gordon. You take good care. Yeah, and the best part is, then when he's done with it, he'll have this truck that he can, you know, it's a classic. It'll always be worth something. So be worth something. Anyway, Ron and Annie, the Car Doctor. We are back right after this thing. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Hey, let's get over and talk to Sal in Staten Island, New York. Sal, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I have a 2009 Honda Accord LX. Okay. And um, a couple of weeks ago, it was displaying the fuel check fuel cap. So um, just out of the blue, you know, while I was driving. So um, uh, the next day I bought, like, a fuel cap from the Honda dealer. Right. And um, so I, I, I put it on, and, um, you know, the, the message did not go away. So um, I started doing some research on the Internet, and it, it told me to, if that doesn't work, if the fuel cap doesn't work, then try to uh, buy the purge canister valve. So <laughs> I went back to the Honda dealer, and I bought this piece. I think it was, like... Um, $70 or something, but uh, uh, I installed it, and um, it still didn't solve the problem, and um, not only that, it seems like, you know, uh, the fuel cap message used to be displayed on the dashboard, like in writing, now I'm getting like a hard code, um, it's like a malfunction indicator lamp, okay. that's, that's on steady now, so... Uh, did you so, happen to, did you happen to pull codes on this yet, Sal? Um... Well, what happened was um, I brought it to the Honda dealer, and uh, because on Saturdays they don't, um, you know, they don't do a full diagnostic, he told me that I'll clear the code right now, and it should, uh, you know, let me know if it comes back on. So, um, you know, he cleared the code. The, the indicator light went off, but then after three days I started uh, driving and it came back on. So, okay. uh, so I, you know, I don't, I haven't brought it back to the Honda dealer. I just uh, thought maybe, okay. you know. So, so, all right, you ready? Take a yes. take take a breath. All right. Okay. All right. Just relax. It's okay. So I can tell you're nervous. Easy, Sal. So let me just start the conversation here. You, you know how many mistakes were made in this diagnosis already? Probably is twice as many in the steps that you took. All right. Um, fuel error messages on dashboards of cars are not written for diagnostic approach. They're written by marketing departments. And I don't care whose car we're talking about, all right? They're written because their concern, the car company's concern, is that the, the guy in the gas station didn't tighten the cap, and they don't want you to have to bring your car back to the service department thinking, oh my God, my car's broken because the guy in the gas station didn't do his job. 
And I'm, I, I'm telling you, it sounds far-fetched, but I've talked to marketing people, and this is, this is their fear. This is, they, they believe this like, like it's the holy grail. They absolutely don't want a loose gas cap to generate a, a, a trouble code unnecessarily, causing that car to have to come in for service because it puts the car in a bad image. So, first things first. Um, that old gas cap may be good, maybe it's not, but just be aware. So the second thing that was wrong here is the guy in the Honda dealer cleared the code. Did he happen to tell you what the code was? No. All right. So have you ever been sick, Sal? Yes. You ever go to the doctor and, you know, you, you're complaining about something and they tell you, you know, yeah, we can fix this. Don't they always tell you what's wrong with you? Yes. Do, they, do, they, do you pay them for that diagnosis? Yes. Did you pay, did you pay the Honda guy to clear the code? Um, well, he t because it was uh, an oil change, he they, they do it. You know, it was part of the service okay. for that. So they, so they, they, they threw it in as part of the oil change. So they essentially exactly. did it for free, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so you got what you paid for. You got nothing. They did nothing. All right. Because now the problem is now you got to go back to them and find out what the fault code is. The long story I'm trying to go around the barn to tell you is Honda's EVAP system. All right, the evaporative emission system is actually very well thought out. They designed the system so that depending upon which fault code you get, you'll know, is it the front half of the system or the back half of the system? Which valve is it? Is it purge? Is it, is it canister vent? Is it a problem with the canister? So until you know what code, we're just we're, we're throwing darts at a wall. All right? So I, I've got to tell you, it's got to go back to the Honda dealer or somebody all right. They've got to diagnose it. But, you know, don't let them erase codes. When you erase codes like that, they're wiping out half the information. It's, it's unnecessary. They're, they're really making the job harder. Because had they said to you, hey, Sal, it's a P0456 or it's a 2422, um, you know, or, 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 or something else, it would be easier to guide you in a sense. Um, get it back to the Honda dealer. Stop buying parts, please. Um, and let's see what they come back to us with. I'm thinking they're going to tell us we've got either a, a canister problem or the canister closed valve has an issue. They do have problems and they go bad, but, you know, it's very easy to diagnose. They've just got to begin one. Call me back if you need more. I'm Ron Anady and the Car Doctor. We'll return right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to Brett in Detroit, 05 Silverado. Brett, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how you doing today? Good, sir. What's going on? Hey, I have a uh, 05 Silverado with a uh, couple of rich coats, uh, P0172 and P0175. Okay. And I have cleaned uh, the mass airflow sensor uh, a couple of different times. I have reset the codes. Uh, and driving around, you know, it does have a custom theme and uh, basic patterns, you know, stuff like that. The timing is turned up in the two. I haven't had this issue since I've had the truck, too. Okay. So I know that there's something going on. Right. I just did, haven't been able to put my finger on it. Did, did I hear you correctly, Brett? Did you say there's a tune in the truck? That's correct. Okay. So let me ask you this. Does your tuner kit give you the ability to look at scan data? It does not. Okay. Do you have a scan tool? Uh, I do not have a scan tool. I have just a hypertext. 
before okay. I got the custom tune, I had a handheld tuner. All right. Are you looking for a reason to buy a scan tool? Because if you are, this is it. Um, you might as well have one. Everybody needs okay. one. You know? Okay. Um, and, and, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to go look for, okay? I mean, pick a scan tool, something with good basic data. You know, to me, picking a scan tool, your first scan tool, is it's, it's sort of like when I first started using Quicken 30 years ago, right? I walked up to Quicken. I remember it on the software on the computer. And I never, I never read the book. Within five minutes, I knew how to do everything in the program. It just made sense to me. You know, this did this, this did that, write the check, print the check, we're done. Uh, you know, you look at a basic scan tool. You're looking for, in, in your case, Harry Homeowner, you're looking to see, you know, can it display data groups? Will it display the same, the PIDs that you want? In this case, OBD2 is really where you want to be. You don't want to get fancy with your make model yet. It'll, your make model will only confuse you when you're starting out with scan tool technology uh, for a lot of reasons that I won't go into here. But it, it just you're better off with just a decent legible OBD2 scan tool. If you want to be able to print from it, that's a preference. You know, you don't necessarily need it. I like it in the shop. If you ever want to record data and you're using a scan tool, you've got a you've you've got a camera on in your cell phone which is on your hip. Just take a picture of the screen and you got it on file and you're good to go. You can always make a, a library that way. So, you know, you want to look at fuel trim. All right? Um, fuel trim is a measurement of is the vehicle running with or out of its base compliance. Uh, what do you do for a living, Brett? Heavy equipment operator. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of how, how I can explain this. Um, so you're, you're driving diesel, right? Correct. All right. So, you know, you ever have those cold winter mornings when the diesel's really, uh, it's not warm and it's it's got no heat in the motor and it's it's just smoking black and it's running it's running rich? We'll call rich, it like that, yes. right? So, you know, we're looking to see is, is the engine here running rich. Fuel trim will tell us that. Fuel trim is a basic measurement. Zero, there's, there's, there's two types of fuel trims. There's short-term fuel trim. There's long-term fuel trim. Long-term is what you have for lunch yesterday. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, yes, I had a sub. Okay, so so your long-term fuel trim is a submarine sandwich you had yesterday, all right? Because it's history. It's 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 what happened. That submarine sandwich you had yesterday drove you to today. What'd you have for lunch today? A couple bananas. Okay, because you had so much yesterday, your stomach said, "I can't take any more. Help me. Just I want a couple of bananas today." So short term will now drive long-term, and it will continue to be that. Because you ate a little bit today, you're going to eat more tomorrow and so on. So we always look at two numbers, long-term, short-term fuel trim, all right? Long-term fuel trim is typically zero plus or minus, yeah, six, seven percent, depends on the car. Short-term is a little bit more, is a, is a little tighter. Now, short-term will change as we drive. It's immediate. It's reactionary. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like Cher in that movie, was it Moonstruck, when she yells at the kid, snap out of it, and smacks him yeah. in the back of the head? It's immediate. It's whack, snap out of it, right? Short-term okay. fuel trim is always changing. Here's why the code's set, all right? Remember in high school, you took that geometry class and they showed you geometric lines and it was zero and then plus the plus and you added numbers and you minus and it took away numbers and you said, where am I going to use that? Because you're, yes. you were going to fix a car 20 years later. All right. So zero 
is base fuel trim. That's a balanced air fuel mixture. The vehicle's in emissions compliance. The computer is always looking at a bunch of factors, O2 sensor activity. It's looking at current fuel trim level, coolant temperature, engine load, a whole bunch of things. And it's saying, hey, is this guy in compliance or not? He is. Guess what? We can, we can keep that short-term fuel trim. It's going to stay nice, plus or minus 5% right around zero. All right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden, a vacuum line show, falls off. The computer says, hey, we're running lean. i got to add more fuel because all of a sudden I'm, I'm finding the O2 sensors are hanging down too low. They're running lean. I'm going to add more fuel and bring up my, air, my O2 sensor numbers. It's looking for a response to that. And maybe it gets it okay. Maybe it's a small vacuum line. Maybe it isn't. And now short-term starts to climb. So instead of zero, now short-term stays at one. Now short-term stays at two. And maybe short-term works all its way all the way up to 25. When it hits 25 on most cars... Now long-term jumps one. So now long-term is one, and short-term drops back to zero. And that process repeats itself until the computer finds the point where it's happy. It can add fuel. It can take fuel away. It opens up injector uh, on time. It closes down injector on time. So the, so, the, so the volume of fuel increases or shrinks. All right? In your case, you're running rich. The computer is seeing too much fuel pass through. All right? And if, if you're going to look at this, if you look at this on a scan tool, you're going to see numbers that are going to exceed negative 20 to 25 percent. It's going to be a negative number. It's trying to take fuel away. It's running rich. All right. So we've got to think about what what sources make an engine run rich. All right. Because it's, it, it's actually easier to fix a rich condition than it is a lean condition because there's not a lot of things that make an engine run rich. If if the coolant temp sensor was lying to the computer, do you know? Do you understand what a coolant temp sensor is doing in a modern day engine? Yes, I do. So right, so you know when it gets up to 195 degrees on the average engine, the computer says, "Hey, it's hot enough. I'm going to cut back on fuel trim. I'm going to take off the electric choke, if we can say it like that. All right, and that'll generate some right. fan mail. All right, everybody will go, what electric <laughs> choke? Right, you know, you got to annoy everybody. You know, if I don't annoy somebody once a week, at least I know I'm not doing my job. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's if if the computer is tell if the scan tool is telling us that the coolant temp sensor is 195 but it's really stuck at you know it's it's less and the computer is running incorrectly or vice versa if the coolant temp sensor is staying low and it's really running hot that will have an effect on fuel trim so that's got to be looked at o2 sensor activity now o2s it's it's rare when an o2 fails and causes a rich condition because a rich failing o2 would have to be a high voltage it would have to produce a high voltage condition all right. Okay, and I did just replace uh, the downstream after the converter. Okay. So where I would look is I would find the canister purge valve. Okay. Or the canister. Is the canister loaded with fuel? Do we have do we have a potential problem where the canister purge valve is stuck open and it's drawing fuel out of the tank or the canister at the wrong time? Okay. All right. But buy a scan tool. It's a good educational moment, and at least you'll know what you're dealing with. You know, data is, and it's so darn important on cars today. If you don't have a scan tool and you're throwing parts at it, you're, you're, you're going to get nowhere. It's, right. it's, it's only going to be frustrating. And, you know, thank God for eBay. I'd jump out to eBay. I'd look and see if there's a shop out there in your area so you can actually go over and see the tool. Are they selling an older version Snap-on something or an, an, an OTC something? Or, you know, you can, you can get something 
that's maybe outdated to them, but for you it'll okay. it'll it'll work real slick. Um, okay. But you know you're chasing fuel trim. Let's start the war from there. All right, kiddo. All right. Thank you very much. You're I very really welcome. Good luck to you. Let us know what happens. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We are back right after this. Hey, Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Just to remind you, this segment of the car doctor is brought to you by FordParts.com. If you're not using FordParts.com, you're just working way too hard to repair your car and order the parts you need. Remember, FordParts.com is the one-stop shop for Motocraft, Ford Parts, Ford Accessories, and Omnicraft Parts. FordParts.com features high-quality parts images, line art diagrams, detailed descriptions, and related parts sections showing part numbers in close proximity. Live chat and call center support is available to help you find the right parts, track orders, and so much more. We use FordParts.com in the shop. I absolutely love it. It's great. I'm standing there on the phone. Um, I'm looking at the same information that my guy at Ford Parts has, and we go back and forth. Yeah, is it this or that? And you know what? It eliminates the problem and helps move my day along. It will, too, for you. FordParts.com. Find it. Buy it. Hey, get back to work, and let's get back to work ourselves. And let's go over to the Big Island, I think, as it's called, and visit Maui and talk to Walter. Walter, where you been, brother? Hey, it's called the Garden, uh, the Valley Island. Is, is that what it is, the Valley Island? Yeah, um, you're, you were close, though. Oh, that, down right. in the valley, <laughs> uh, valley so low. Well, you know, I saw your email, and I said, you know, we haven't talked to Walter in a while, and I guess it's time to let him out of the cage and talk to him once more. So, go ahead. Lay it on me, every question you've got, because you've had a few, and I've just been so busy. I haven't been ignoring you. I'm just up to my eyeballs. What's going on? I understand. Okay, this is for my 95 vet. Right. Um, this is my own vehicle. It's a uh, 5.7 liter uh, standard. Uh, I, I don't have a... Uh, scanner that will read uh, OBD1 codes, Okay. but I, by grounding the, uh, ALDL the connection connector, thing, right. you can read I'm able to come up codes. with codes, and I came, and I came up with a, uh, it says, <clears throat> I got a bank two right front heater, or heated O2 circuit lean system, and I have no way to check the fuel trim, and I, I Sure you do. I was assuming that it was a, that if anything, it's a vacuum leak. Do you have a Do you have a, a voltmeter, Walter? Yes, I do. Okay. Is it? Do you have an analog meter or a digital meter or both? I have both. Ooh. Okay. So let's go find the upstream oxygen sensor for that bank. All right. Okay. And tap into it. Now, when I tell you to tap into it, do you have any? How do you how do you back probe or pierce a wire so you can read voltage on that line? Uh, I have some back probe pens that I bought. I knew you would. All right. So we, I, I'd, I'd like you to back probe the the harness itself, not necessarily the sensor, because the, mm -hmm. the sensor wire has a real hard plastic shell over it. It's going to be kind of hard to pierce through. But let's let's back probe that wire. You know, an O2 sensor, and that should be a uh, 95. Is that a single wire, Walter, or is it a two or three wire? I think it's that, two wire, I think. 
Okay, because I think they ran a redundant ground. There was something about that. So one of those is going to be the signal, and one of those it's is going to be... definitely not a one-wire. Okay. I know that. So we got to sort out which is the signal line. All right, so maybe we'll have to dig into a wiring diagram. You'll send me the VIN, and I'll, I'll, here I am again working for Walter. Look at this. I love this guy. Okay. Um, but we'll have to find the signal line. The idea becomes that we're going to find the signal line and tap the voltmeter in. Now, you know, the, the analog meter might be too slow, but it might be a more graphic presentation to see that needle swing high and low. All right. Um, it worked on carburetors. I'm trying to remember. 95 was tune port stuff. Might be too. Eh, it's probably still slow compared to today's. It's worth a try. Worst that's going to happen is it won't read at all. And we'll put the digital meter on it. The idea is that when an O2 sensor is reporting lean, it's going to produce a low voltage. When an O2 sensor is reporting rich, it's going to produce a high voltage. So you actually have the ability to read fuel trim for that for that engine without a scan tool. You're going to read it directly at the sensor. And okay. you know, you're going to assume that the computer is interpreting it correctly, which is a dangerous thing, but we have to do it because we don't have the scan tool. And you know, let's see where we got. If, if it's saying bank 2 is lean, then that bank 2 upstream O2 sensor is going to be showing a low voltage, or it's never going to break the uh, 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 500 millivolt scale, half a volt scale. All right? It'll always be low. So okay. if it is, then you have your bottle of propane? Well, let, let me... Uh catch up real quick here. Yeah. I've already I've propaned it, I've okay. smoked it, yeah, I've but, 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 carburetor yeah. cleaned it, and water. And right. I can find no, no, no uh, vacuum no, no, leak no, at no, all. No, 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 no. If you've got it hooked up to a to a voltmeter, okay, if you've got it hooked up to a voltmeter, and you shoot some propane down the throat of the engine, can you drive that O2 full rich? Okay. Maybe you got a bad O2, maybe you got a weak O2. Maybe you got an O2 that's, that's just tired. That's possible. They, they aren't brand new, but they're not, you know, they're not right. a year old or two right. years old. Right. Like so, that. Tell you what, Walter, hang on. Sit right where you are. Let me pull over and take this pause. When we come back, we're only going to have about three minutes, but we'll go real quick and get through the rest of this. I'm Ron Annie in the car doctor with Walter, and we'll be both back right after this. Welcome back, Ron Annie the car doctor. Walter, you're still there. Yes, I am. So the deal is if we can hook up a voltmeter to the signal line coming out of the O2, and monitor it, and then play with it, all right? If we, if we create a vacuum leak, does the O2 go low? If we enrich it with propane, does the O2 go high? You know, if we, if, we can, if we can't make that O2 drive it to, you know, drive it through its range, drive it from zero to one volt and back again, then we've got a problem with that O2. It's that simple. So, okay. you know, you don't necessarily need a scan tool. Scan tools just make it easy. But you know what? We fixed a lot of cars way back when, and uh, we didn't have scan tools to do it with. So, um, you know, try that. Second question. What tool and method is the most accurate way of setting spark plug gaps? What kind of spark plug? Um, let's say an AC Delco. Okay, well, well mean, and when I say that is, is it a platinum-tipped plug? Is it an, irid an iridium-tipped plug? Is it a plain let's old? Let's go with platinum. Uh, platinum. If it's a platinum tip plug, I use my eye, because and and the reason I say it like that is, is because using an old school spark plug gapper, you can mm -hmm. you can damage the tip. So they actually don't call. To my knowledge, they don't. No manufacturer recommends using a gapper to gap a spark plug like platinum iridium because you'll damage the tip. It's it's really an eyeball thing. 
uh, you know, take a look at it. If you have to adjust it, you have to be ever so careful. Some of the platinum plugs or some of the iridium plugs and some of the other metallic, pl- the metal plugs that, you know, they have these special uh, materials on them. Um, they're adhered to the tip, the electrode, and you can damage it. So it's feeler gauge, or I'm sorry, spark plug gapper, nice and easy. Don't bend anything, and um, if it looks okay, leave it alone. Don't touch it, and uh, you'll be just fine. Walter, I appreciate it. I'm running any of the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Everyone.